Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada. I'm here with Dan Rudman. Once again, if you are new to this podcast and you want to know who we are, you can go back two episodes. I think it's episode 33 where we kind of review who we are, the ministry that we do, and, and some things like that. So if, you, if you're if you new and you want to kind of get a little bit of an introduction of who we are, go back to that episode. Hey, hopefully you've already listened to it and you're a, being a part of this, this series that we've been doing on on uh, manhood and womanhood, biblical manhood and biblical womanhood, and how we have a title as is man and woman God's idea, and so we're we've been you know walking through uh, our Bibles really you know putting Dan has been saying we've been putting the pieces on the table, and so we're we before we really spend a lot of time talking about application, how are we to live in our day to day as a man or as a woman, uh, we want to put. All these scriptures, you could say, on the table and come to, you could say, like a systematic theology, a systematic approach to, you could say, the doctrine or the theology of of man and woman. So we first started with, hey, this is how you interpret your Bible, because that would be a pretty important piece to, to know uh, uh, or a pretty important prerequisite to now looking at the scriptures. But then we went into Genesis, looked at Genesis 1 through 3, and then we kind of did a, a brief survey of the Old Testament, and then we went into the Gospels, and then we went into Acts, and, and now we're in a spot where we're working through the New Testament epistles, and we've been looking at specific passages that explicitly talk about the role of a man and, and of a woman um, in in varying places. So we've we looked at uh, 1 Corinthians 11. So there is the context of the public gathering, uh, you know, praying and prophesying together as the body of Christ, meeting for worship. Okay, this is how you are to conduct yourself there. Uh, some specific things on how you would, uh, how women would adorn themselves in certain ways to to show that they were being submissive to their husbands. And then we went to 1 Corinthians 14. Okay, here we have this this thing. There's some there's some people in this congregation that have the gift of prophecy. Uh, now this prophecy needs to be weighed. Okay, now what's the role of a man and a woman when it comes to the weighing of prophecy? So we talked about that. And then we went briefly to uh, to Galatians 3, verse 28, uh, not because we think that's like a verse that talks specifically about the roles of a man and a woman, but because it's a verse that's often used to, in a sense, overturn this pattern that we have been talking about is clearly displayed throughout the scriptures and, it's, and, and, and is grounded in uh, Genesis uh, 1 through 3 in the creation account. And so we looked at that. We we basically said this is why it's not overturning the pattern. This is why it's not saying something contrary to what the entire Bible is saying about man and woman. Um, and this is what it is saying in, in a sense. And obviously it's talking about this reality that, hey, you know, all are one in Christ. Meaning all, you know, if you've been saved, you know, by faith in Christ alone, you are, you're all united into Christ. You all have one spirit. And it doesn't have to do with roles. It has to do with, in a sense, identity. You are one in Christ. And so now we're, we're continuing to move on. And today, um, in this episode specifically, we're going to be in Ephesians. Um, and Ephesians 5. And if you know anything about your New Testament, and if you think about, you know, what are those passages that really just pop out to me when it, when it uh, in reference to man and woman? I would say Ephesians five is probably one of those passages that pops in people pops into people's minds 
you know, probably first. Like when I think of, okay, if somebody says, hey, just go to a pastor that talks about manhood and womanhood and, and, and differing roles and, and the relationship with each other. Oh, I, Ephesians 5, you know. And it really is, it really is an incredible chunk of scripture. And so it's, we're going to, we're going to walk through it. Uh, like we walk through, you know, first, first Corinthians 11, kind of verse by verse, very, uh, exegetically you could say. Um, and there's just a lot here. So we'll probably, I would assume we'll spend probably the entirety of this podcast, uh, episode specifically on Ephesians 5. Now there is a passage in Colossians chapter three that is kind of a parallel to this to this passage in, in Ephesians 5. It, it basically says the same things, uh, but it's an, an abbreviation. It's a, it's a little shorter. Um, so we might look at that as well, but we're, we're not going to look at it in a sense as deeply as Ephesians 5 because it basically says the same exact things, just a little bit more condensed. Uh, you know, and the interesting thing about uh, the letter to the Colossians and the letter to the Ephesians is they're written in about the same time uh, – you know, arguably, some scholars say probably about the same exact time. You know, Paul was imprisoned in Rome, and he he wrote one letter to Ephesus. He wrote another letter to Colossians. If you read these two letters, you see there's a lot of shared language. Um, and so these letters they're just they just go together very well, and they and they share a lot of the same structure, a lot of the same uh, phrases and wording and things like that. And so it makes sense that there's there's these two passages in Colossians and Ephesians that on manhood and womanhood that model each other in a very, uh, you know, intimate way. So, but Ephesians is where, really where we're going to be at. So, a little bit of an introduction on Ephesians. Like I said, Paul is in prison in Rome. He's likely writing this letter somewhere in the early 60s, 60 to 62, probably. Uh, you know, he, if you just go to chapter one of Ephesians of your book, you just see Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, who are faithful in Jesus Christ. So obviously, you know, very typical of, of a Pauline, uh, epistle. He's, he's saying, Hey, I'm writing this letter to the saints who are in Ephesus, in the city of Ephesus. Um, and the way that this letter is structured again, very, uh, it, it's structured like a lot of Paul's letters are structured, you have what's considered the doctrine or the theology in the first part of the letter. We might call those the indicatives, so these factual statements, these doctrinal statements. So we have the indicatives, uh, the doctrine, the theology um, in the first three uh, chapters of Ephesians. And then the latter half, uh, the last three chapters, four, five, and six, we have what you may considered the imperatives or the this is how you now are to live in light of this doctrine. Um, so there's this big uh, transition uh, statement or transition word in chapter 4, I therefore, yeah, I therefore a prisoner of Lord Jesus, or, uh, sorry, I can't talk, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So you have all this doctrine, the first three chapters, um, and now Paul is urging these these Ephesian Christians to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. So it's an imperative. By the way, Sam, when you when you bring that up, just as a point of you know, the fancy word again we've used is hermeneutics. It just means how do we interpret. But um, right. 
what I'm bringing up here is, is that a lot of times in the epistles and other places in Scripture, um, I don't know why I like this so much. Maybe everybody does. Maybe everybody doesn't. I don't know. But like, it's amazing. God could just give us commands and say, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But so much of Scripture is based on this is true of you. This is true of God. This is true of the mm-hmm. world. Therefore, this how you. This, yep. This is how you ought to live. It's right. it's just really cool to me. Always like there's always this backdrop to this is what's true. Therefore, boom. So I'm just simply thinking again as we continue every single podcast, we keep reiterating this that there's been this flow of history. There's this biblical theology, as you said it, or systematic theology of men and women from the beginning of the creation. And all of these things hinge off, like, so if you go back to, and we'll see it here in Ephesians, this is, he emphasizes how Christ is bringing this all back to the original picture, if you want to say it, oh, restoring yeah. it. So the point being is, if you go into the original creation, there's this, this is the way it was, this was very good, and there's mm-hmm. a sense in which, therefore, this is why it works out this way in the world. It's because, <laughs> right. because this was the indicative, this was the facts, this is, and so in a real sense, we're doing the same thing. But Ephesians, no question, and Ephesians is this amazing book of the first three chapters, these high, lofty, heavenly, divine realities that are true for you, you know, and, and then again, like you already, you already said, and I'm just reemphasizing. So therefore, because all this stuff is true, this is, this is how we ought to live. Yep. So you can't, so, you know, we're going to get to Ephesians 5, but to get to Ephesians 5, you have to start a little bit earlier just for context and say, okay, yeah. so, so what's the what's the big overarching goal here? What is, what is this all right. about, right? So, oh, okay, yeah. So that's enough. I'll say enough. I'll let you run with it then because Ephesians oh, 1. I mean, that's exactly right. And you think of like, you think of little kids, like, you know, you tell them to do something. Okay, do this. And then they say, why, 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 you know, why, why do I have to do this? Why, do, you know, and then. Hopefully the parent has a reason. <laughs> yeah, and then you say, "Well, because, well, because isn't isn't a reason or whatever." And there, here we have real reasons. Yeah, why are we to live this way? Uh, why are we to do this and not this? Why is man's role this and not this? And you know all this stuff. It's like here's the reason, and and that's what's so beautiful and genius, you could say, about how God, you know, inspired these men to write these letters it's 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 so incredible and it, it's so important to understand this because it's again again as kind of as a preface before we get into it a lot of the attacks that come against uh what we would say is clearly taught by scripture on a man's role and on a woman's role it, it's it's said well that was just cultural you know that doesn't apply to us today and in a sense well, no, it does because this doctrine, these facts, this truth, these principles, this theology—that's that's the bedrock for this, you know, the way in which you are to live now. That's consistent. That stays the same. It's built on God's unchangeable character, His His immutability, really, um, and His eternity. God is an eternal God. His word is eternal. You know, it it will last forever. These principles will last forever. So. Yeah. Good. Here we go. Like, yeah. So, you know, and if you're familiar with your Bibles, Ephesians 1, we know we don't, we're not going to read it, but yeah, there's just some lofty, incredible statements in Ephesians 1. I I mean, I just got to read a couple here. You know, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 
even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. No, that's big. So it's good that I probably read that because here's the reality. Like God's will for us, for those who he has predestined uh, and chosen before the foundations of the world, his will for us is to be holy and blameless, to be perfect, to be without sin. And, and so then that's his goal. That's the goal. That's what everything's working towards. That's why he saves us in the first place is to make us holy, to make us blameless, to make us pure, to make us perfect worshipers, to reconcile us to himself so that we can know him again, intimately, relationally, mm-hmm. truly. Um, and in light of that, you know, we're, we're in this life now where, you know, we still have the flesh. We're still battling this flesh. We're still battling this fallen nature. But yet we've, we've been given the, this new nature. We, we've been made new by uh, the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. And now we are to live, you know, we are to live holy lives. We are to live as we were meant to live. Yeah. And it's going to be a battle, and it's going to be hard. You know, Doug Wilson says, you know, this, this, this applies. Because, <laughs> you know, how we talked about, remember in our first episode on Genesis 1 through 3, Dan, we talked about how, you know, this was just normal. The way in which, before sin came into the world, the way in which Adam interacted with his wife and how Eve interacted with Adam, you know, it was just normal. Like, they wouldn't have thought anything like, this yeah. is just how it is. Yeah. You know, uh, Eve is like, yep, I, I, I uh, am the helper suitable for my husband, Adam, and it's a wonderful thing, and I love it. And Adam loves his leadership, and, and it's just a wonderful thing. And so Doug Wilson goes, you know, it's like it's like eating dinner with a spoon or whatever. You're just so used to eating with a spoon. You don't even have to think about eating with a spoon. Um, it's, you know, it's just easy. You don't even have to consciously think, okay, I got to hold it like this, and I got to do this. But then you go through some traumatic, you know, event or whatever, and, you know, you maybe you get in a car accident or something, and... And and you lose your ability to function and use your motor skills, and you almost become like you're an infant again. And you have to go to physical therapy, and you have to learn once again how to do these things that were once just like almost like unconscious to you. Like you just you just did them. You just walked around. You just ate food with the spoon. You just all these things that are just easy. Now they're hard again, and you have to relearn how to do it. So he's like, our roles as as men and women. You know, in our marriages, in our in the church, in our families and stuff, what was once natural and what was once, you know, you didn't even have to think about it. Now we have to relearn and we have to like, you know, rework our muscles and get back into this this thing. And so it's kind of an analogy again, because of our sin nature, uh, operating as a man as God designed us operating as a woman as God designed you know the women who are listening to this it, there's effort because you have a sin nature that's against it mm-hmm. but it you know it does again the 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 original design hasn't been nullified and it's healthy and good um, and will increase human flourishing that we do live according to this design so right holiness is the goal <laughs> Well, yeah, it is, but there's a. But let me just say that that holiness falls underneath something, though, Sam. I actually would say the goal is even higher than the holiness in Ephesians here, if I could go here just quickly. So adding, yeah, add, absolutely, yeah. So moving down, if you get down through yep. nine, ten, eleven, uh, he made known 
to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him, in Christ, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times. Okay, administration, a structure, a yep. form, a, a order. A plan. A plan. Yep. To the fullness of times, that is summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. Okay, so summing up. So this goes back. Okay, if we go back to the creation, you had creation, fall. The fall jacked everything up. Yep. That's why we struggle with what you just talked about. But Christ came for redemption now. So so there's this 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 uh, creation, then there's fall. This is the redemption. The redemption is unfolding now in Christ. And 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 this redemption, summing, bringing all things uh, uh, together under Christ. And then if you just jump with me to the end of chapter 1, it literally says that he gave Christ the full authority over all things, yep. uh, uh, far above all rule, 21, authority, power, dominion, every name is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And then, and he put all things in subjection, there's mm -hmm. our, our word, word submissive or subjection, under his feet, and gave him as head... This is, yep. this is that same word we're going to get to. It's that kephale. It's this authority over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So I agree with you about our Christian life in the midst of this redemption is a pursuit of holiness. But, right. But, but there's a sense in there's which... Something, there's something more fundamental. Well, yes, and it's an already uh, not yet. In other words, Christ has accomplished this, but now he's, yep. this is unfolding. And the right. unfolding is bringing all things underneath his authority, his headship. Yep. And 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 we are the body underneath the head. And then, right. then if you go to the end of your Bible, you know, to Revelation 21, 22, the big picture is, okay, this whole thing is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And, yep. and this is why this is important in light of our, our current discussion. It's going to be returned to the pre-fall condition, if you want to say it that way. Right. And even better in a sense, probably, right? Because now, I mean, I don't want to go theologically down that road. Let's just, let's just say it's a, it's a return to what was lost. Right. Yeah. And, and the, even better though, because now yeah, in our return back to it, there's no way to lose it now. Yeah. There is, there's yeah. no, there's that, no opportunity for sin. That's what I meant by, I didn't there's want no to go tree down of the I didn't, I didn't want to, right. us. Okay. So you throw, right. you're throwing it in there. I just didn't want to have that big discussion, but yeah. So there's a return right. to paradise. There's a return to pre-fall the way things ought to be where God yep. is our God. We are his people where his presence is with us. But here's the picture again, in light of this, remember what pre-fall was, what you just said a few minutes ago. Like Adam and Eve had their roles, their places, their giftedness, and there was no conflict. It wasn't, it wasn't a problem. Oh. And so the point of Ephesians in this one saying this is the, these divine big picture goals is Christ, underneath Christ, this stuff is being redeemed. It's being brought right. back. And so right. we are in the middle of this being brought back. Yeah. And I think and, that and, so there's you know there's the kephale headship there which we'll get to, but there's an authority, there's a structure, there's a plan. Again, the idea of administrative suitable for him. That's a, the idea of a dispensation. I'm not having the debate today about dispensational theology. It's not the point. <laughs> but the point is that there's this thing, a period of time, period of history, period of plan under God where He's bringing this stuff back. Right. 
And and so that's we're in that. We're in that right yeah. now. And Christ is our head. Yeah. And so Right. Okay. So So we're in this process of sanctification, being conformed to the image of Christ, right. being brought yeah, brought back to yeah. God's original design, brought back to obedience. Yep. And and, and all that stuff. And and it's a pursuit of holiness, there's no question. Now, just for the theological astute person out there we're in the middle of this well we're and you you said it earlier in your commentary there sam is that you know sin is still in our midst that's the problem we still have the flesh to contend with but in this new heaven and new earth and i think that's what you're getting to uh we move from sanctification to glorification where where the power of sin the presence of sin is is like gone boom oh yeah it's gone boom done we won't have this even this conflict anymore the sadness anymore and uh, that's, you know, again, another whole conversation, but it's amazing to consider, like, even this year with 2020, when you think of, I don't know what it's like for everybody, but there's these losses and these sadness and these fears, and it's kind of mm-hmm. pervasive. It's this fog all over. It's like a nuclear bomb went off, and this fallout of nu- nuclear radiation is everywhere, and it's yeah. affecting all of us. And even the sense of loss, you know, uh, again, I don't know who all listens to your podcast, maybe some younger people, they haven't fully experienced this yet, though a little bit, but it gets worse when you get older. And that is like, you know, even Christmas is done. Have you ever had this sense like the day after Christmas, you had maybe a great experience over the holiday and all of a sudden it's done. Yeah. And January 1 comes and it's like, well, it's it's done. It's another year. Oh, Christmas is done. Shoot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, especially when you're a young mm-hmm. kid, it's like, oh, well, that, that, that feeling that you have, this sense of like, oh, it's done. It's like empty. It's, it's loss. There is this real, well, in this new heaven, new earth, imagine this, no more loss. No more loss. None of this. None of this like... No more struggle. Yeah, no more strife, no more, no more fear. Conflict. Literally, you'll be able to go to bed at night and not have a concern in your mind. <laughs> you know? Well, and you know, even to get a little bit more specific, like, good reason to believe there is no night. There is no, there's well, yeah. no more well, darkness. There's no night. Sure. God is the light. You know, well, you never I, go to bed. Except, ne- except for I think sleep is really a blessing. I like it. So what's wrong with well, that? Well, it's a blessing now because <laughs> we, we need this rest. Okay. Heaven, the new heavens and the earth is a perpetual state of rest, which is hard to fathom. Oh, yeah. Like, well, that's another thing, right? That's but I, the whole but, thing. Okay. But, yeah, we're getting, but, but we're getting part, too far ahead ourselves. I know. Here. You're getting too much fun now. But here's the point <laughs> is that when we get to this this discussion of of, of – what God is restoring, he gives us this word, he tells us he's restoring, he gives us this structure, this order, and we have to understand that, and we've said it numerous times throughout the podcast, that like, of course in this life, in this fallen state we're in right now, while he gives us these these uh, indicatives and then the imperatives, of course we still have conflict because of sin. But right. the conflict isn't because the way he's telling us to put it in order. That's not where the conflict comes from. The conflict is no. coming from our sin. So the only reason we're even having to have a lot of this conversation, right, is because there's all these ideas floating around out there about how it ought to be coming from other places than God's word. Yeah. And so even in fairness, a lot of what we're doing is like, kind of a defense or I don't want to overstate the word reaction, but we're responding. Responding is a better word to these things that are happening where somebody will take a passage like this and then kind of do something with it that we're like going, I, I don't think you can do that with this passage. Right. So 
so forward and onward then the point is the context here is consummation eventually right now we're yep. in redemption and god has this plan and it's all under the headship of christ uh yep. and then we get to ephesians 5. yep yep and you know it's interesting you get to ephesians 5 again you have another one of these therefore were therefore be imitators of god yeah as wow. beloved children Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You're the yeah. picture of the altar. He put his body on the altar, and he was this perfect fragrant offering, and it satisfied the wrath of God on our behalf. But now he gets into some practical things, some imperatives. Yeah. yeah. Well, and before you know, that, going to what you said earlier, Sam, just to reemphasize what you said— we're not doing a full study of Ephesians 5, but you start looking at 3 and 4 and 5 and 6. Oh, man. And it's all about holiness. I mean, 3 is oh, it's all, all about, about holiness. Holy, I mean, 3 is literally, there should not be a hint of sexual immorality in your midst. Well, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, but sexual Im immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you. Oh, oh yeah. Look at look at 4. I remember this hitting me when I was yep. a younger Christian, and I mean, it continues to come back. But must not be no filthiness, no silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Like, you know, I mean, really, seriously, there's something about right. saying, like, how do I talk? How do I use my mouth? Coarse jesting, jokes. I mean, I, yep. rem I remember, you know, like, I always, yep. I always enjoyed humor and jokes, but, like, some of it's, like, crossing some lines. <laughs> Something like, nah, oh, yeah. I probably shouldn't be, be going down that road. So yep. the point is, is that this whole thing now is the uh, imperative, these commands to live and pursue this holy life. Okay, right. so even think of that. That's what this is talking about, and it's very strongly put, very clear, very serious. Uh, right, and it's in that then moving context of this holy life that eventually exactly. he's going to start getting to. This is how you're to act, treat one another. Yep. So okay. exactly. Yeah. Another statement to say, verse seven. Therefore, do not become partners with them. You know, the people of the world. For at one time you were darkness you were darkness yeah at one time before god saved you you were of the world you were totally living to gratify the desires of your flesh yeah. you were darkness but now you are light in the world or mm. light in the lord walk as children of light yeah so when it comes to this now we get to let's just you know we'll jump to verse 22 or we'll, we'll jump up to verse 21 but put a pause on it just for a second when it comes to now our our interactions in our relationships, whether it's husbands and wives, whether it's children and parents, whether it's slaves and masters, and because those that's where Paul's going now, um, there's this reality that <laughs> we are not to look at the the way the world does this, like the way that the world views marriage, the way that the world views parenting, the way that the world views uh, sex, the way that the world views uh, your relationship between an employee and an employer, all that stuff. They are, they are totally in darkness. Mm -hmm. They're in darkness and they're living for themselves. They are living a, a horrible, wicked life in opposition to God. So our lives as Christians and in our varying relationships as Christians it has to look starkly different. Mm. And so you can't look at the marriage, a marriage in the world and go, okay, I'm going to model my Christian marriage off of this worldly marriage. Like their worldly marriage is filled with sin and it's not sin that's, that's being put to death. It's sin that's just being embraced. 
And so you got to realize like there has to be a difference. There has to be a difference between the marriage, a marriage between two Christians and the marriage between two non-believers. There has to be a difference. Mm. And that's where it gets weird because you look into a, in America right now and you go, if you just take, you know, a general poll and you just look at, okay, the people that profess to be Christians, the the divorce rate, the adultery rate, you know, all these things are just as high in the church as they are in the in the world. You could say, at least in America, you go what. Are, you know, what, how, how? Well, how probably because a lot, most people that profess to be Christians in America aren't actually Christians. But there's this reality, like, we got to be different. We have to be different. We have to walk in the light. Well, and, and then, that's, and so before you get to 22, let me just make a couple comments here, Sam. So if you get to 15, it yeah. says... It goes to this therefore again in verse 15 of Ephesians yeah. 5. Therefore, you know, as he goes through this, talks about, you know, we're supposed to be in the light. We don't walk in the darkness anymore. Um, be careful how you walk, which I, I, I yeah. always like that word. Uh, you see this a lot in epistles. Therefore, be careful how you walk. And that walk is what you think is like, we use the word walk, English word here. But it's like how you yep. journey, how you live life. It's this continuous, yep, exactly. how, how do you now proceed? And it says, not yep. as unwise, but wise. Uh, making the most of your time, days are evil. Uh, don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And then he starts moving into something that's very important as a setup before we get to yep. this actual roles. And the setup is this. He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that's wastefulness or dissipation. But here's the command, be filled with the Spirit. Yep. The big optimum thing here is is this be, it's actually be being filled. It's this continuous, continue to be Filled, mm-hmm. which is this idea of empowered, directed, in step with the Holy Spirit. Yep. So you as a Christian, we'd have to go back. We're not going to get into all that theology now, but but it's the Holy Spirit that does this work in you to open your eyes. When you put your trust in Christ, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, is what Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says. There's the seal put on you. That is the presence of God comes to live within you. So a, yep. tr- a true Christian, a true disciple of Jesus Christ has, if you will, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come to reside with the the regenerated believer. Okay? Mm-hmm. You have the Holy Spirit. Now that you have the Holy Spirit, again, we'd have to have a whole discussion about that, but we have the Holy Spirit. He lives within me. The very presence of God is with me. Now my call, the command, is for me to be directed and empowered, which means to keep in step with the Spirit, to obey the Spirit. Yep. It, it, it's to obey the Spirit. And then he, he says now, being filled with the Spirit, if you will, you could go like this, you could say, and it looks like this. The, the Spirit-filled yeah. life looks like this. Speaking to, right. one, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. See, and that, that would be in contrast to coarse joking and filthy talk, and right? Exactly, so yep. you're speaking to one another with psalms and hymns. You could say scriptures, the truths of God. You could put yep. that there. But, but speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs— Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. So this worship of the Lord. Together we come together yep. and we were walking in the Spirit and both individually and corporately. We're speaking truth to one another. We're speaking hymns to one another. Psalms. There's this melody, this music, this worship of them to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things. 
We talked about that Ooh, in, in the one big. podcast in light of uh, the Tenth Commandment and do not coveting. Co- yep, coveting. We had a whole discussion about that. So giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God and even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Yep, here we go. Here we go. And then we start moving into this. So there's this subject yep. to one another in the fear of Christ. So as Christ is our head, there's this reality, where, and we're going to unfold this now, that says we are to live amongst one another, right, in love, the way we're supposed to live with one another, subjecting to one another, meaning I live the way I'm supposed to live, you live the way you're supposed to live. Uh, and go ahead, Sam, and you can begin to unpack it from there. Well, and I, I mean, I think you said it very well before we, you know, we, we, Dan and I have a little bit of a discussion before we get into the podcast, but, you know, we really wanted to talk about this verse 21, because here we have this, it's a transition, in a sense, it's a transition verse into uh, 22, chapter 5, 22 through chapter 6, verse 9, and you have, you know, he's, Dan's reading out of the out of the NASB, I'm reading out of the ESV, it says submitting, so being subject to one another, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So you have this this picture of mutual submission. And we're, we're put, again, well, like can I, Galatians... Can I, can I stop you, Sam? Put quotations about yep. mutual submission because that's... Yep, correct. That, that comes up a lot in our evangelical circles. What about mutual yes. submission? Put quotations around it. This is where that's yep. coming from. It's coming from this verse. Yes, right? exactly. Okay. So good. So so but but the verse so, says let, let me read it again. The NASB says yep. be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. The ESV says what? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, very good. Go ahead. Yep. Okay. So kind of as a a preface again, like Galatians 3:28 is kind of like one of those verses, okay, some people try to use this verse to overturn this pattern. This verse, verse twenty-one of chapter five, is one of those verses again. Where where people go, oh hey, maybe I, maybe this verse is saying something like this, and it's not quite you know consistent with this pattern, and maybe uh, this is where Paul's overturning this pattern again, or whatever. And so they the say, pa- oh, look, the, there's, the, pa- the there's pattern, this, the pattern of headship, the pattern of headship, the yep. pattern of you so know, somehow this is maybe that magic verse that somehow yep, is overturning. Rabbit of the, you know, I say rabbit out of hat, but yeah, yeah this right. this. This this theological this bomb that just totally obliterates this this whole structure you could say uh, that's been built over four thousand years uh, and and you know we're at the end close to the end of our Bibles now and just all this scripture that's been just totally affirming this this God created pattern in, in in the garden when we say the again back to the pattern or the the design we're talking about Genesis two here like God made man out of the dust of the earth. He gave them the commandment: "Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil." Um, but you can, but but you can eat of every tree of the garden except this tree, and also work the ground, work the land, name the animals. You're on mission. Do this work, and 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 it's an amazing thing. And you're dwelling in the presence of the Lord. And then Adam was alone. He 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 felt alone. God put him in a deep sleep, took out his rib, created. A woman from his rib, from his own flesh, he created a woman, and then he brought this woman back to Adam in this beautiful circle. He So the woman was made from Adam for Adam, from man for man, to be his helper fit for him, suitable helper fit for him. So that's the whole pattern here. And so there's this, the man is the authority, the man is the head, 
he's on this mission. The woman is his helper, suitable fit, you know, helper, suitable helper fit for him. I always get all that mixed up. They're both made equally in the image of God, different in role. And that's what we've been, that's the drum we've been beating, you know, for I don't know how many episodes we've done on this now, six or seven. (laughs) We've been beating this drum of that pattern, of that pattern. And it's been consistent throughout the whole Bible. So what we're saying is that if you're going to overturn that, it has to be something crazy. Like it has to be such a verse that like, oh man. (laughs) And Galatians, we looked at Galatians 3, 28, and we said, hey, look, this one isn't that. It's This isn't that bomb at all. It's not even in the context of, of that. So again, is verse 21 of chapter 5 this bomb again? Well, no. You know, we have this, you can dance quotations around mutual submit, submission, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And now Paul's going to flesh this out. And so again, con- context, context. Okay, what does he mean by this? What does he mean by submitting to one, another, to one another? Well, he fleshes it out. And we have these varying relationships. And depending on you know where you're at in life, it's you're going to be submitting to someone. So if you're a wife, you're going to be submitting to your husband. Everybody submits to Christ as, as the head of the church. Uh, children are going to be submitting to parents. Bond servants are going to be sitting, submitting to their masters. Or you could say today, employees are going to be submitting to their employers. So there's all these different spheres where there's an authority and there's somebody submitting to the authority. And so... That's the mutual submission here. It's not as though we're just like all we're all submitting in the same way to each other. And like you said, Dan, reciprocally, I can't. That's a hard word to say for me. Explain that. Explain what you mean by that. Yeah, well, it's not reciprocal. Yeah, well, I'm just, you know, I'm referring to others who've done a good job on the commentary on this. But um, I like how they said it. Like, yeah, so you could go like this. You could say the scripture would say, forgive one another. In Christ, Christians yeah. forgive one another. Okay, right. That that would be a general command. Forgive one another. But what that means is, Sam, is if I did something to offend you, I, I, I truly did something. Let's say I stole something from you or I lied to you. And then I yeah. come to repentance in my life and I come to you and say, Sam, would you forgive me? You know, I, I wasn't fair with you on that. Or whatever the sin was that I, say, committed against you. I would be fulfilling this reality of forgiving one another with First of all, with me seeking your forgiveness. Secondly, then you you would follow with the command by forgiving me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so it comes from me to you to say, would you forgive me? And you say, yes, I forgive you. But that doesn't mean now reciprocally you go and Dan, would you forgive me? As if you did something, you didn't do anything. <laughs> right. So so it's mutual in the sense we're all supposed to forgive one another. But in a given moment, that doesn't mean like I forgive you, then you forgive me. Like it's reciprocal back and forth like that. It doesn't work that way. Right. So another. And if it was like that, then forgiveness would have no meaning. Well, well, yeah. Well, in that in that sense, right. So the point though is, is that of course we're all supposed to be involved in a spirit-filled life, and the spirit-filled life is that we live uh, in the proper roles and places that we have and proper submission, but it's not saying, it's not saying in a reciprocal way, husband submit to wife, wife submit to husband. 
Right. Reciprocally. No, so, I'm saying that. So another verse that right. some, someone brought up, and I thought it was really interesting. It's very simple, but it really it makes it clear again, is Revelation 6, when uh, uh, there's this second seal, and it's the seal of war, okay? And it says, when he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, this is uh, Revelation 6, 3, come, and another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, remove, you know, take peace from the earth. And then it says, and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. Okay, so here's the one another, and that men would yep. slay one another. Okay, so think about this statement. You got to think it through now. That men would slay one another. That's this this unbelievable picture of the end and this war and this awfulness that's going on. And it's a men would slay one another. Okay. Well, that doesn't mean I slay you and then you slay me. Because if I slay you, you can't slay me. It, no. mean, it, means, it means men are slaying men. Men are killing men. It means people right. are slaying people. Okay. So when it says slaying one another, it doesn't mean this reciprocity, I slay you, then you slay me. So when it talks about be subject to one another, it means, mm -hmm. it, it means yes, there's a submission, but the submission, the submission is ultimately to Christ, right? He's my yep. head, and I am to carry out submitting to him. Um, in, in my submission to Christ, I am to carry out the role or the responsibility or the commands that he's given me to carry out. Mm -hmm. And... And in doing that, there is a sense in which I could say, um, so here would be the sense, if I came to you and asked you to forgive me, Sam, and you said, I forgive you, Dan, you're submitting. You're submitting to the command of Christ to forgive me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but again, this doesn't mean that this, this, this subjecting to one another, submitting to one another does not mean submitting to one another in the sense that we just negate all these thousands of years and all these scriptures of the roles that God has given us. Right. And and to make that case even a little stronger, since people get camped on that subjecting to one another or submitting to one another, and they're saying, see, men are supposed to submit, a husband submit to wives, wives submit to husbands. Well, that's not really what's saying, because look at the, if you go down here and we'll get to it, he talks about uh, slaves and masters. He talks about children and parents, and he's going. Right. No, listen. Every one of these have these roles and these in these in these callings that are commanded by God. And so when he says subject to one another, it, it simply means, of course, we're all supposed to live under Christ, under His authority, and carry out what we're supposed to. We're supposed to submit to Christ, and in a real sense, that means I'm submitting to you in the sense that I'm living out when I'm supposed to live out before you, and you're yep. living out where you're supposed to live before me. Right. And then that becomes very clear, very clear, when you get to, and I'll let you carry on here, Sam, but 22, 23, 24, 25, he spells it out. Oh, yeah. So... Yes. I mean, go ahead. How's he spelled it out, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> you know, and I think about it back, we'll get, maybe we'll get to it again, but the ch child parents thing is just like, I mean, just imagine, uh, even non-believers try to try to imagine this if, you, if you're a non-believer and you're listening to this, and it's like a parent tells their kids, hey, time for bed, go to bed, and then the kid says, oh, but you got to go to bed too now. It's like, 
what are you just supposed to just listen to each other? It just doesn't. There's it doesn't make any sense. Right. Then you just you just you just lose what it really means to have an authority. It doesn't make any sense then. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. Now we have it fleshed out in twenty two through six nine. Uh, but specifically, we're obviously looking at the manhood and womanhood stuff. So 22 through through 33. <laughs> so wives, you know, 22 wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So this is important to realize. Uh, a woman isn't to submit to every single man that she sees. She's to submit to her own husband. Her Her authority, her head is her husband. Not the the guy down the roads, you know, the woman down the roads husband, you know, not mm-hmm. like her own husband as mm-hmm. to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So, I mean, actually very straightforward. Mm-hmm. I think that that word own own husbands is really key, and here here's an interesting thing. Uh, I was reading a John MacArthur commentary, and <laughs> this is where women, you know, I'm jumping ahead again. I'm continually jumping into application a little bit, but there are some things that we just have to have to talk about here because they're so relevant to this text. When you when you have, you know, and we we mentioned this a little bit, the onset of the onset of birth control and and women's reproductive, you know, things, you know, where they they can have sex and not get pregnant and stuff like that, and and women's rights and now they're in the workforce and stuff like that. You have all these you have all these women now in the workforce, and it, that's common, like that's just normal, and you you know that's just if you if you start to talk in the realm of, hey, maybe women should be at home and they should be homemakers and they should work from the home. That's just like, you're speaking a foreign language to our modern society, our modern egalitarian society. Um, that's just, that's a foreign language. And people get deeply offended when you say something like that. Because what they in, in, instantly jump to is, oh, you think women are inferior and that they need, just need to be locked up in their homes and not go out and do things in society. It's like, no, that's not what we're saying. But there is this reality that when you put a woman in the workforce and now she has a, an employer and she has a boss, and let's just say this boss is a man and she's to submit to this man in the workforce, you have a, you have a very interesting dilemma on your hands potentially when wives are submit, submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. So what happens when... when your employer, if you're a woman, wants you to do something that is contrary to what your husband would have you do. Who do you submit to? And it just gets really complicated. Well, you'd, you'd submit to your husband. He's your head. Your employer isn't your head in that regard. You're not one flesh with your employer. You're one flesh with your husband. So MacArthur brought that up, that this conundrum that we find ourselves in, that <laughs> We're in a lot of conundrums today. Just let me say that. <laughs> but you have any thoughts on that, Dan? Just, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm with you on the conundrum. 
and we talked at previous podcasts about some conundrums we ran into even in other cultures. So um, for the sake of our podcast right now, I think we'll probably come back to some conundrums, right, when we do application. Right. Like, well, yep. Because we're, yeah, I got we're, ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it's good. It's all good. Because, I, but, yeah. but, but I think you posed a good question is that when we, when we deviate from, first of all, putting first principles down, mm-hmm. and we get into muddy water that begins to create problems. Mm-hmm. in application and as we think about the text. So I would just say, like, I, like, I want to kind of come back to the text for the moment, right? And, and, and let's come back and put the pieces down. So we've talked about this idea of, of submission uh, for a fear of Christ. And then when we get to verse 22, it's interesting, okay? So it says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. As to the Lord. And I think this is really important to understand. I've had this discussion with people. Um, Everything says unto the Lord. And so this, this idea of a wife uh, in this word of subject your own husband, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, isn't because um, your husband is so hot and got it all put together, right? <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I've been married 37 years, right? Like, I can't, I've, I've failed probably more times. Well, I don't know. I've just failed plenty of times. And my wife knows I've failed plenty of times, you know? And, but yet, unto the Lord, this whole thing is unto the Lord. And the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. And so I find these two things. So first of all, the wife is, be, is being called to submissive to the husband. And we'll get more as the text unfolds here, but the husband's call, t- called to be right the head of the wife. And the example there is as Christ is head of the church. And by the way, in the text, we go back to early Ephesians, it's the same word. It's this, it's this word of headship, kephale. I yeah. mean, G- Jesus yep. is the authority, the head husband's head but notice here okay so she is unto the lord and and he is being the savior of the body well how was christ how how was christ the savior of the body uh like he died (laughs) he gave his life and so the real calling here for the husband to truly be the head of the wife and to love her is to die to himself Mm. is to give up his life and so i tell young guys when you get married when you say i do you're you're saying my life's done Mm. Again and, and again, what that means then is that I am now, as unto the Lord, supposed to take my responsibility as the head of my home, which means uh, I need to you know, resist passivity that we've talked about. I need to take responsibility for my home. I, I take responsibility for you know, the finances, for the provision, for the care, for the security. And as we said, again, kind of in an illusory way, Illusory? Is that the word? You know, kind of an illusion way, a picture kind of sure. way, is that if God shows up in a sense, he's coming to me. He's not coming to my wife. Now, my wife's responsible right. for her own sin, and but but there's this picture, right, going back to Genesis, that God came to Adam, and that's all I'm yep, saying. Yeah, he called so, a man. Right. And so the picture here is a wife um, in 22 is, and I want to get those pieces on the table before we deal with the conundrums. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. so it's fine. I mean, we're, you know, you and I get off on all these little trails, but they're good. They're important. <laughs> so Christ died, died. And, and, and that's the, the picture that's being given now is that the husband, the wife is called, told to submit to the husband. The husband is, there's no place here ever that says, husbands submit to your wives. It doesn't say that. Right. But he is no. called to give up his life for his wife. Yeah. And in that sense, you could say in the sense that Christ submitted to death, submitted to the will of the Father for the sake of the body, 
You could say that, like a husband submits to what God's called him to be. Right. And that's where I think this, this whole passage of submit to one another, there's this sense in which we're all submitting to what we've been called to. I, I am called to give up my life. Yeah. And so really, like, you know, again, much of my life has been in a, uh, you know, after a, a, a younger career, pushing 30, so almost, you know, 32, 33, 34 years now, I was in Christian ministry, and much of my ministry is with hanging out with guys. I mean, it's just my yep. life in ministry. And I do a lot of evangelism and apologetics, but, but in the grassroots of life, I am always with men. And so I've watched this, and it's like, no, you've, you've been called to give up your life, but somehow guys want to have everything. You know, uh, mm. you know, they want to be able to go on every hunting trip and do everything they've ever wanted to do. And it's yeah. like, no, and no, buy no. all their toys. And yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, it, you know, it's just a self-centeredness. And it's like, no, you've been called to like surrender that now. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean you can't enjoy some things in life. God still, you know, we've all still can have some cool things that happen. And But that is all secondary to you've been called to die for the sake of your wife. And and doing that, that's unto the Lord. And doing that, when you give this up, there's a sense then, if you keep reading here, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be subject uh, uh, subject to ought to be to their husbands and everything. So again, it's this relationship of headship. You see it in Ephesians, Christ to the church, authority over all things. The husband is now to represent that. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Mm. That's how he became the Savior. Right. Mm -hmm. And then 26, so that he might sanctify her, meaning Christ sanctify the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So when you read that, you think, okay, so when a husband does what he's supposed to do, she, she submits to the husband. He dies for the sake of his wife to save her, to protect her, to care for her. In doing so, he actually, um, it, it sanctify her. He's helping her become everything she was created to be. That's the crazy yeah. thing. Like, like she flourishes in this. Yeah. She flourishes in this. And it's a fascinating discussion when men will do this because the contrast to this, like, let me give you contrast. There's a whole study out there. It's fascinating. I was reading it and looking at it. That you could go uh, through history and you go into a culture where men become totally self-centered pigs, which we all struggle with, but particularly in this, the realm of sexuality where men give themselves over to sex and eventually give themselves over to homosexuality. It's really oh, fascinating. Yeah. You look at societies where homosexuality uh, uh, rises, you know, and, and, and takes a prominent role like it is increasingly in our culture. And in every one of those societies, at the end of the day, what you find is the oppression of women and children. Yep. It's really interesting. It's like where the, these guys go and become lustful, worshiping images of themselves. This is all what homosexuality is. It's really, you know, it's self-absorption, really. At the end of the day, uh, it just destroys women and children. Mm -hmm. And yet, where men will step up the plate and be what God called us to be, giving up our lives, taking the you know leadership. Again, we've been unpacking this for hours and hours in these podcasts. Women flourish. Yeah. See, and that that's but catch the picture there. That's the picture. The picture here is totally Christ for the church, giving up your life. So. Uh, I'll let you carry on, but I think those pieces are important to put in the, in, in, you know, put on the table uh, as we talk yeah. about it. before we get to the difficulty applications and conundrums. Yeah, as you said in the in the in the previous podcast, 
I think at the end of the previous podcast, we're eventually going to get to applications where we have to ask lots of questions and kind of think it all through. And it's not always easy and it takes wisdom. And that's true. That's all true. But you, yeah. you got to have the pieces on the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Absolutely. Okay, so. And just to, to say a word on this flourishing thing. Yeah, cool. Um, because, it, yeah, it's just a fascinating thing. It's so countercultural, you yeah. could say. Yeah. Uh, and think back to the think back to the garden. Again, we always want to go back to the garden in a little bit, you know, in every way we can. And you have this reality of okay, Eve is getting deceived by Satan. Uh, it's the man's role as the head, you know, in a sense, to die for his wife. Like he needs to like die, like literally jump in between her and and Satan and just say no. Uh, uh, no, I'm I'm stepping in between here. I'm going to lead. Yeah. Yeah. Satan, you talk to me type yeah. thing. Even if the woman w- wants to talk to Satan, even if the woman says, no, Adam, you, you're fine over there. Let yeah. me talk to him. It's like, no, 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 no. I, I, that's where you got to go. Your headship, your authority goes, no, Eve, this is my role. I'm going to step into this as yeah. I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And if he did that, it would have created... Uh, an opportunity for her, his wife to flourish. Yeah. And, and so that's the, in, the interesting thing is here you have this culture today, again, that, that wants to make men and women totally equal in every way. There's no, there's no distinction between them and the roles that they can do. And, and you th- they, the world thinks that this is the way that you make women flourish. And it's not. The way you make women flourish. That's a good point. No matter so. if it's a non-believing woman or a believe, like certainly a believing woman, but even a non-believing woman, the way you make a woman flourish is by having men who lead. Yep. Uh, lead biblically, not not be tyrants or you yep. know domineering yep. pigs, but lead biblically and die for their wives. Yep. And that's how you create the flourishing of children and women. Yep. Yeah, I mean it's an amazing picture. And, it's an amazing picture. And so you know, so you, the, you know, if you're if you're for for women rights and if you're for women health and women, you know, all this stuff that the feminist yeah. agenda is about, it's like, hey, how you do it is called the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something to be said about that. Well, that's man. a connotation word. So, oh yeah, yeah, gonna be something. But seriously, uh, 26. I, I probably could have went on in my conversation here at 27 too. Then, see, because 27 says he might sanctify her. I, you know, I was I was camping on the idea of her flourishing yep. but look what it yep. says to what you've talked about before uh or we both talked about but you emphasize so having cleanser by the washing of the water with the word 27 that he might present to himself the church in all her glory yeah having my, the no spot or wrinkle or yep but that she would be holy and blameless the point being is that when the man oh. when the man does this right and leads and gives up his life there is this huge possibility of presenting his wife in all her glory, which is the, oh, the, dan- yes. the dance idea that you brought up. Yeah, he's you know, displaying the, her, and she yeah. becomes this beautiful thing. Yep, beautiful symphony she's put on display. So this is how this is supposed to work. This is the picture. Right. This is, and, right. and, and we will get down here, right? There's no question. He says, hey, this is a great mystery. This, the, the, the ultimate, what do you say, quintessential, you know, the... Yeah, the image of this is Christ in the church, right? And, oh, and we'll get yes. to that. But th- this is the point. And so, yep. I mean, I think we've labored that enough. But you say whatever. But yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I've, you know, th- something I want to want to just unpack just a little bit here is yeah. this. Uh, let's see, where is it? I'm looking at my Bible. Um, 
Yeah, end of verse 26, you know, cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, with yeah. the word. Yeah. So obviously, you know, think of think of Jesus' high priestly prayer. Think think of John 17, 17. That's the verse reference. Uh, Sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. Yeah. Um, or is it sanctify them by thy truth? Thy word is truth. Whatever, it's, you know. The, the reality is, is that the sanctifying agent in the life of a believer is, is the word of God. Um, and you, you have something interesting here is like, you see these, it's not so blatant, but you see all these pieces throughout tr- scripture that connect the ministry of the word with, with a male role in a sense, mm. you know, not, it's not like so obvious, but obviously we'll get to, yeah, this reality that men are to be elders and teachers in the church uh, yeah. pastors and preachers yeah. and what's the pastor what's the preacher they are they are stewards of the word of god they are stewards of the mysteries of god um and they're called to remember the word of god and they're called to teach the word of god and they're called to teach it to you know husbands are called and uh, fathers are called to teach it to their children think back in deuteronomy yeah. and stuff yeah. like that yeah sure and and you also have this reality and we talked about it with our genesis episode of you know if you just look at the text we don't see we don't see God giving Eve the commandment not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We see him giving it to Adam. Now, that doesn't mean that he didn't give it to Eve, but it it seems to be to me that it's implied that Adam taught this word to his wife. Yeah. Yeah. Taught this command to his wife. Yeah, and that, a lot of scholars agree. Yeah, that's, that that's what probably I was the say, case. Sam, that is that's pretty consistent with a lot of, you know, right. A lot of biblical right. scholars. I mean, in the best sense of that. Yeah, they would say, yeah. Yep, and think of, you know, remember, we've this is all review again. Like, remember the role of the king in Israel. He was to go into the temple and make yep. a copy of the word of God and and, and, yep. and have, you know, the meditation of his heart be on that day and night for the rest of his life yeah. and to know and study the word. And, and, and the priest, the, yep. you know, all all these roles of men are so connected to uh, protecting, stewarding, teaching the word of God. So there is something here about how the role of a, a husband in this marriage, he, the word of God, he, he is, he is, he is leading his family and his wife with the word of God as mm-hmm. the king was supposed yeah. to lead the, the nation of Israel that's with the word point. of God. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and it sanctifies her. It sanctifies the family. It sanctifies himself, obviously, when he's ingrained and in, in connected to the word of God. Um, so a husband is to be a guy who, who, studies the scriptures, knows the scriptures, leads his family into study the scriptures and to know the scriptures and to model the scriptures and to, and to you know, meditate on the scriptures. It's like, yeah, a man leading right and dying, you know, like Christ died for the church is to, yeah. you know, lead with the scriptures. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great picture. That's part of the picture for sure. He's, he's, he's right. lead. But which again, isn't this crazy? We started in Ephesians 1 talking about that the what Christ came to do was restore all things. Yeah, and reconcile this, all things to yeah, himself. And this picture goes back to Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall. Yeah. It just yeah. goes back to that. Like, Adam was given this truth. He was to lead Eve. He gave her the truth. He taught her the ways of the garden. Uh, yep. You know, Satan came in, got her to question. Yep, the, the word. word. The word of God. And uh, Adam didn't step up to the plate. So what's this right. whole picture? The picture is... Wife, listen to your husbands, respond to your husband, submit to your husband. That's your call. That's your responsibility. Yep. 
Yep. Uh, man's responsibility, you are to lead. You're supposed to step up to the plate, give up your life, sacrifice, lead in the truth. Here it is. Yep. Right? Yep. So, and so, again, yeah. yeah. It's not wife. Right. It's not wife submit to the husband. Man submit to the wife. There's no place in Scripture that says man submit to your wife. No, never. You never see it. So even this idea of twenty one again, this idea of subject to one another, is this, is this reality yeah. that we all submit ourselves to the fear of the Lord and respond the way we've been created and called by God to respond. So if I'm a yep. ca- called to be the head, then I'm supposed to lead like Christ. If I'm called. Yep. To follow, I'm supposed to follow as a servant that's supposed to follow the way Christ would want me to. Yep. And Christ even demonstrated that, actually, right? So Yeah, so, submitting to the will of the Father. Yeah, right, exactly. So Christ is the example, and he, he set it up for us, and then he gives us these roles, and it's just really, it's a beautiful picture. I mean, the, the beautiful thing is he's the, Christ is the example for both. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's what I was saying. And then, and yeah. then, and then when, when these roles are played out accurately, again, really just look at the text— Present in all her glory, yeah. not having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Ultimately, again, that's Christ in the church. But it's the same thing. He's using this as an example of this is what this marriage and this relationship between a man and a woman ought to look like. Yeah. And she yep. fl- she flourishes and she she gets to care for what she's supposed to care for and be free. Right. And, um, yep. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah, and frankly, absolutely. frankly, you know, we could keep going. I don't want to go too far in the application per se, but like, I mean, even burdens, burdens in life and burdens in a home. I mean, there's yeah. a sense in which the man is supposed to carry that. Yeah, and we'll get into that in First Peter three because there is yeah. this reality: the woman is the weaker vessel. Yeah. And you, you mentioned it, like that the, yeah. the counselor friend of yours, like your wife is 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 like a broken, you well, she, know, China. It, she's fine, China. That's the Find first name. Yeah, right. Yeah, with cracks in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, his first name is. Remember, your wife is fine, China, and I'm like, that's yeah, true. yeah. And she does have cracks, right? And yeah. I and right. I have to take that into account. Right. Mean, it, meaning so there's a, this. There's an acceptance, a tolerance. I hate the word tolerance because it sounds like you're just putting up with. I don't mean it that way, but like, no. Yeah. I am to love her just like Christ loves the church. He sees. He sees my failing. He sees the church failing. And there's a mercy right. and a grace and a movement. And it doesn't mean you don't speak truth, but you do. But it's, again, you know, right. the picture of Jesus to me is amazing. Just look at his life. I mean, even talking to the woman at the well, I, I spoke on that recently at that uh, fireside chat. Oh, yeah. You know, but it just yep. grabs me. Like, he was honest with her. Like, no, you're really an adulteress. Right. You're an adulteress. Yeah, you're, 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 the you're, man you know, you're with isn't your husband. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's not good. Uh, no. But... Man, he was incredibly kind, and he was incredibly, he had a way of doing it. Now, you know, when he confronted other people, like some of those Pharisees, he kind of had to go between the eyes and be straightforward, you know, with them, like the prophets. You know, oh, so, yeah. so, I mean, Jesus was the perfect example, and none of us can, none of us do it like that. But, but there is an example there, right, of speaking truth. You could say speaking truth in love and correcting and, and yep. true and truly, see, this is where the self-centeredness of men come in. Maybe I'm getting too far in application, but maybe we did this in other podcasts. I don't remember, but sometimes, I mean, it really is a self-centered position. I just don't want the conflict, so you don't confront something. Oh yeah, I mean, it's so <laughs> prevalent. I mean, I know all of us, all my buddies and myself, we see it in ourselves. I'd rather just not confront that. Just let it go. Well, what if he, what if Adam thought the same thing? He well, goes, "Well, that's Uh-oh. what it is. It's like it's uh, a, something's awry right here." Ah, I don't want the conflict. It sounds with my wife. weird, but I see a lot of it. 
you know, and I've seen it in my own soul, but I've seen it in other guys too. Like, oh no, they just don't want conflict, so they won't confront stuff. Right. Now, again, sometimes yep. you know, all of us can really stink at how we confront stuff, and we right. got to we got to learn how to work on that. But we have been called to do it. We have been called, yep. and there's going to be conflict in a fallen world. Yep. And we're supposed yep. to we're supposed to, to some degree shoulder that. So there's a wisdom in all that. But anyway, the big picture. Catch the picture of this. It's so. It's this glory. It's this flourishing. Man. Yeah. So now we get down yep. to twenty eight, twenty nine. I mean, you. Can't. Yeah, twenty eight. Yeah. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. You know, that's so just so interesting. Like, you know, you, like this is so obvious, but yet so profound. Like. You're one flesh. Like Eve was was made from the rib of Adam, his own body, his own flesh. You know, bone. Yeah. Like Adam says, at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Yeah. She shall be called woman or Isha because she was taken from Ish, and and this this reality. Like when you are married, a husband and a wife, they are one flesh. They are one. They are one. And obviously, then that means that husbands should love their wives as their own bodies because they are. They're one. So this is the whole, the, you know, you, you see this a lot. Well, I shouldn't say you see this a lot, but you kind of do. It's this reality of like, you might get in it. You might be in a, 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 a men's study or something, or maybe women, if you're listening to this in a woman's study and, and somebody starts putting down their spouse to other people, like kind of behind the back, kind of talking their, their spouse down behind their back yeah, and, yeah. And, and not a good way, not like a, not yeah. like a. Hey, this is what I'm going through, and you're getting some counsel from some sisters or brothers in the in the Lord, and, and it's and it's yeah. a good thing. But more of like, yep, actually putting down your spouse. It's like if you, like a, if a husband puts down his wife, he's putting down his himself, his own flesh. He's he's literally like hurling ins, insults at himself. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's a it's a weird thing that people don't realize that that mm-hmm. hey. She's your, she's one with you. She's your body. Like love her like your own body. Mm-hmm. Care for her like your own body because she is your body. And and again, we could get back into se- sexual ethics, back into uh, and the, just the sex life of married couples. And we we kind of skipped over that stuff in First Corinthians six and seven. But th- this reality of like, hey, you're not your you're not your own in that sense, like. Like, hey, you can't you can't deprive your wife of if you're a husband, you can't deprive your your wife of your body and and wife. You can't deprive yeah you know your husband of your body because you, you guys are the same. You're one. Yeah, that's a good point um, though. It's a good point about the body though. I mean, again, the picture here. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he who loves his wife loves himself, yeah. obviously, because you're one flesh. Yeah. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, takes care of it. You know. Is think of all the ways you take care of your body. Um, you know, you work out, you eat healthy, you wash it, you you put, you know, you you take care of it because it's you're 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 called to. St- and again, the same thing. It was like stewardship. Like when people, uh, you know, there's all this reality of like your body is given to you by God. It's not it's not your own mm-hmm. in that sense. You have to steward it. So exercise is good. Eating healthy is good. Uh, um, just things like that, the thing that just takes care of your body, those are good things, and that's stewardship. Same way, like, taking care of your wife <laughs> is a good thing. Stewardship. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, again, the way in which you're to take care of your life is, like, again, how Christ modeled 
you know, how he died for his, his bride, the church, um, and, and led and, and, and led with the word. Um, again, for no one ever hated uh, his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. So he nourishes and, cher- and cherishes the church, his bride, um, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave... Here's a beautiful reference. This is, again, back to Genesis. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So there it is. There is the this whole thing that we've been trying to make so obvious is this Paul isn't just saying this out of, you know, out of nowhere. He's, the Spirit's inspiring him to say, look back, look back, look back at, at Genesis, yeah. look back at the creation. Yep. And that's it right there. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It's just, there it is. This isn't just some weird cultural thing in the first century. This is according to design, according to God's design. Mm-hmm. So yes, one flesh, there it is. Yep. 32, this mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So up until this point, really, up until this point, like, yes, the Jews uh, knew that, that, that there was something really incredible about marriage, but they didn't know exactly what, that, what it was exactly mirroring um, or exactly displaying. And Paul tells us right now, hey, for, for thousands of years— this has kind of been a mystery of what the, of what marriage really is 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 presenting here, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you now, this is what it's been pointing towards the whole time: Christ mm-hmm. and the church. Very good. Yep. It's incredible. Like from the very beginning, and this is the the really the, he says the word profound, but it is profound. Like before the foundation of the world, before God created anything, it was always the plan. That Christ, the second person of the Trinity, would come down, take on the form of a man, and die for a wicked people. And win his bride and make her holy. Like, that was always the plan. Why do you think we we love, like, adventure movies and books and stories that are like the the man comes and and wins, you know, defeats the dragon and wins, you know, uh, saves the damsel in distress type thing? Yeah. Like, why do you think we love that? Why do you, why every single story that has that type of plot yeah. to it, we just like love it. Everybody <laughs> loves it. I'm just it's laugh- like ingrained into us. You know what I'm laughing at, Sam? I don't want to go too far again. We've been trying to restrain from application, <laughs> but I heard about this. Re- no, it's funny because right, that's that's the picture of the scripture. Is like, you know, the yeah. the the man comes in, slays the dragon, rescues the girl. Right? Like this yeah. is what it's about. Well, it's funny to me because. The reason I'm laughing right now, what comes to my mind is recently, and I don't know a lot about this because I'm not into, you know, I want to know about culture, but I I don't know. I don't know how to qualify this. Let me say it this way. I'm not a big movie guy, and I don't even pay attention oh. to most of it. But I was listening to some commentary recently about these new movies where they want, where the women are the, like the, 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 the heroes. The heroes. You yeah. know, the what do you call it? You know, the superheroes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And almost across the board, all of those movies have flopped. Yeah, like, like financially, they flop. Like nobody wants to go see a woman rescue the guy. Yeah, <laughs> I just find it kind of comical. It's the same thing. It's like we want mankind. the uh, The reality of our sinfulness wants to come up with our own ways and our own ideas of thinking about stuff. And I think what we've been saying is like, like 
mankind does that. But actually, at the end, if you really look at, you know, even right down to the practical numbers of finance or flourishing or whatever things you want to put to it, every time man comes up with an idea contrary to this, it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it may have some temporary sense of a, a working, but it just doesn't really work. It's, it's like right. there's, there's always these problems. And so I just find it kind of comical, right? Because, yeah. Right. Slay the dragon. Oh, I heard somebody else say, who did I hear say that? I don't know. Somebody we listened to. Somebody said that. Yeah. It's all about slaying the dragon and get the girl. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, it's sort I think of probably it. Doug Wilson said it. Oh, yeah. He probably did. I don't know, but it's well, it's funny to me because it's like, well, it's true, and 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 exact, yeah. and Jesus, and again, think of this. This is the point. Here's the mystery. I'm speaking about reference to Christ in the church. Yeah, he's and even in the scriptures, right? He's the bridegroom, and she's the bride. Yeah, and you know, I'm like, what do you do with that? Like, there's no, you don't get to juggle that and come up with something new. No, and and here's the ridiculous thing: if this, if this, if a marriage between a husband and a wife is if this is God designed this to mirror, to put on display Christ's relationship with the church, do you think that the that the roles of Christ in the church are just fluid? Yeah, it's it just doesn't. It doesn't work. You, that, no, you can't. You would totally get rid of the whole picture if a woman could act like a man and a, a man could act like a woman. Could the church die for Christ? It just doesn't work. That's, no, it doesn't work. But again, that's that's part of the point, I think, where, you know, even as you're getting excited, Sam, is like we're trying to go through this hermeneutical reality, this exegetical interpretation of this passage. And the whole frame of men and women, the role of men, the role of women, is put in the context, the larger serious context of Christ and the church. Yep, yep. And there's just no other way to do that. You, no. It's like... So when we start taking a verse and going, well, it meant subject to one another. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. That's not the point he's no. making. No. And literally the words he uses even, right down, like we said, the, the Greek word he uses is the same word of Christ being the head, the authority. It's it's all, right. we could go there. We could go to the logic behind the thing. We could go to the interpretation of the thing. It's like right. to come up with something different, you got to go through a lot of, you would have to, yeah, you'd have to alter a boat, boatload of hoops here, and there's just no yeah. way. There's just it's just it's just you can't do it. You can't right. do it. And I think it's I think it's important to say too um, that this this isn't you cannot you cannot display this with a homosexual relationship either. Oh, that's impossible. Like, that's impossible. It's impossible. That's why in 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 biblical circles. We we don't even call it marriage. We don't say homosexual marriage. We say homosexual mirage because it's a it's a it's fake. <laughs> yeah, I've heard somebody. And say to that even too. to even call it a marriage is is borderlining like, yeah, like lying, like lying. Yeah. We get that the world calls it a marriage. It's not a marriage. A marriage is between one man and one woman, and it's and it's meant to be that way because it's mirroring Christ's relationship with the so, church. So let me say something about that though, Sam. I have a sensitivity to that just because I'm around it. You are too, but I'm, you know, we're increasingly around it. So here's yeah. here's my point. Here's how I say that. Like, if the world, let's say a society I live in, 
you know, let's just think of nation of Israel going into Egypt. They, they're they're, they're going to go into this promised land or they're in Egypt. They're going to be released from Egypt, going to the promised land. They're going to be confronted with all sorts of pagan ideas and rituals. Yeah. Okay. And I guess what I'm saying is that I live in a land that could come up with all sorts of ideas. Yeah. And if they want to, def- they, meaning a society, a culture, wants to define marriage however they want to define it, you know, we could... It could be five guys and one girl, or five girls and one yeah. guy, or throw in and I mean, three goats. I mean, you could, yeah, you could do what. I mean, again, <laughs> you know, the point is, is that because the society defines that, I understand that I live in this land, and somebody has redefined it. Yeah. My point is, though, is that I'm not redefining it as the church. Right. I'm a lighthouse. Right. I've been called to do something. I'm just not going to redefine it. I realize that. I got to get along with my neighbors and people. And if they want to call something that. So the more disturbing thing, again, to me, which goes with everything that we're, you and I are always doing with these texts, is that when there's an idea out there in the world and we bring it in and then we redefine something within God's uh, yeah. word, word or, you know, in the, within the church, that's where I actually get more disturbed. So my point is, is oh, if it's, somebody it's, out in the disturbing. world. See what I mean? So if somebody out in the world wants to call something whatever and have some exclusive relationship, whatever, I have all sorts of questions about that. I don't know how real it really is, all that sort of stuff. I go, well, if you want to do that, you can go do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I'm saying, like, and you will. And, yeah. And, and that's not to say also that, yeah, you can go do that. It's still immoral. Might, it's still God, immoral and wrong. It's still immoral. And you'll still have to be you're still going to be judged by it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm and not making never, light. If you right. don't if you don't come to Christ, you will spend an eternity yeah. in hell facing the consequences for it. Yeah, and I'm not making light of it. So I don't right. don't misunderstand. I think that's the qualification you're trying to make sure. I'm not making light of it. I'm just simply right. saying so you do that, okay. I'm not changing my definition though. See, and this is how this works. Is the world right. comes up with a thing and then it's trying to force me to adopt yep. it. Yep. And that's yep. the thing I would say, Christians, listen to this podcast. You've got to understand this. This is no different than like in the early church, the first century of the early church, where they're told to worship Caesar. And yeah. they, they go, well, I can't. I can't I do can't. that. I can't do that. There's certain things right. I just can't do. Now, if you and your world and everybody else out here wants to worship Caesar, so be it. Have your festivals. Yeah. Do whatever you want in right. that sense. But I'm not going to do that. Right, and if Bob says he's a girl and then now wants me to call him a girl, sorry, I can't. I can't call Bob a girl because I know Bob's a guy. And if you have an issue with it, in like, in like first century, oh, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to worship Caesar. Fine, put me in jail. I will go to jail for yeah. that. Yeah, I'm dead serious. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. And that's the oh, oh I'm getting all fired up yeah, now because are. here's so, but, but let's here we go. Let's, let's, yeah. yeah, don't go down to that that road too I'm far not. yet. <laughs> all I want to say is that this is a profound mystery. Let's go back to the text. It's so huge that it, repre- don't, oh, it represents I, it represents Christ in the church. And remember who Christ yeah. is. Christ is the yeah. living God. He's God. In He's the, the living eternal God of the universe. All who you know, all things will be subjected yeah. to Him. Like He will. Yep. And, and this, Ooh, this this whole picture, you, this is you don't mess with this. This is right. what it just fires me up. Yeah, is you don't yeah. mess with this. Right. That's sort of what I'm going. Like, and so Christians, please listen. There's no room within biblical Christianity, true Christianity, to adopt some other idea of marriage other than this. There's no. There really is no other. There's no other options. No. There, there's there, no there other ju- option. There's no no other options. 
And, Beca- and you could say, because this isn't about you. <laughs> yeah. This is about Christ and what he has decided, how he decided to display his His yeah. glory. And you don't mess with that. Yep. You can't. It's not yours to mess with. Yep. It's not yours so, to change. It's not yours to redefine. It's not yours to, yep. you know, so, taint. So 33, he comes back to it then. Nevertheless, each individual among you is also to love his own wife, even as himself. Yep. And the wife must see that she respects her husband, which is an interesting thing. The wife's not even yep. called to love the husband. She's called to respect the husband. The husband's called to love the wife. Yep. Isn't that interesting? Like the call oh, of the so wife is to respect him, to respond to him, and his call is to love her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, Paul Washer had an interesting statement. He said, you know, husbands, you know how you hurt your wife? Uh, by not telling her that you love her. And he, you know, he's simplifying it. Yep. And he goes, wives, you know how you hurt your husband? By disrespecting him. Yep. And it's true. Think about your own life. If yep. you're married, think about your own marriage. Like, as a guy, like, there is just something about being disrespected that is just, it just hurts. It's just like, it's like a knife in you and just like twists around. It's like, ah, I don't like that. And then I would imagine, like, I honestly probably, I don't, I'm not married. I'm the single guy. Dan's the married guy here with the experience. But it seems as though, like, hey, I could probably, I would imagine if I was married, I could probably go a long time without ever hearing that my wife say she loves me. But a wife, I would imagine, going a period of time without hearing from her husband that he loves her might be a little different. I'm making an assumption there. No, it's 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 not an assumption. It's true. Right. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but that's the thing. There it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, it's not and then obviously. T- yeah. Dem- and it's dem- oh. and, you know, and well, you say saying you love you. Yeah. But it's demonstrating that love and it's learning how to, how to, yep. what do I do in my life to demonstrate to you that I cherish and love you, you know? Right. So, yep. you know, and you've heard those discussions, but it's true. There's, there's, there's words, there's affirmation, there's help, there's gifts, yep. you know, in different mixes for different people, different women. Uh, right. you know, uh, you know, we all have to, we have to work on that. We really do. Um, I have to, yep. you know, I'm, you know, I have to have those conversations like, you know, I, I'm guessing I'm not loving you real well right now. What's, what's, what do I need to do different kind of thing, you know, Yeah. to demonstrate that. So anyway. Right. So that, yep. that's the, that wraps up the section on wives and husbands. Obviously this is part of a larger section on here you have children's and parent children and parents you know children obey your parents in the lord yep. Yep. for this is right honor your father and your mother um this yep. is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live along long in the land <laughs> yeah 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 well once Fathers, again though this all goes back though to spirit-filled living within the body of christ within the order of this community yep and yep. so when it talks about subject to one another we've already commented a boatload on this yep there's these different types of, if I could say that, different types of subjecting submission within this larger body. So when yep. he says subject to one another, I think we use the word reciprocal. I don't know if that's the best use of the word. But the point is, is it, there's, there's different types of subjection, submission to one another within this larger context of, the, of this body of order, right? Yep. And so... You know, we've already commented on that, but 
but obviously here there's there's the hus- wife thing to the husband there's the husband thing to Christ there's the husband thing to giving up himself and loving his wife rightly and now we're on to children and parents same sort of thing and I, again in the word we used reciprocal I again it's not like children are submissive to parents the same way parents are submissive to children <laughs> it's like that's right that's not the point it's like no children submit to parents and truly let's say it this way too sam and in some cases it's actually a different greek word in fact here in ephesians it's it's a different greek word it's very interesting the words can be a little interchangeable but but technically think about this i think anybody with a logical mindset there's a little bit difference between my wife submitting to me or a wife submitting to her husband versus a child submitting to a parent now they're both a mm-hmm. submission but there is a difference my, my wife is my equal in the sense of this adult, mature human. Not, I mean, both ontologically as a person, she's equal, but she's actually equal in like her understanding and her maturity and her life, and in some ways maybe more understanding and mature in certain areas, right? So her submission to me isn't the same as a submission of a child to a parent. Right. There is a difference. Right. But they've both been called to what? Submit to one another. It's that same idea. Right. See what I mean? And so, and, and you'll get down here. It'll eventually get to slaves and masters. Same thing. There, there's, yep. It's a respect of authority. It's an honor. It's a respect. Be a good employer or be a good slave in this context that was ubiquitous with mankind, the slavery master thing, which is another discussion. But it was real. And, yeah. and he's saying, okay, you need to respond to your master appropriately. Now, that would be different than a child responding to a parent, and it would also be different than a wife sub- submitting to a husband. It's not, every one of those scenarios is not identical. But the, right. pri- but the principle is the same. There's this order, yeah. there's this head, there's this authority that you are supposed yep. to respond to. Right. And, and when you do, when you respond correctly, respectfully, submissively, yeah. It's it's glorifying to God. It's honoring to God. That's the thing. He's above all things. It's all in reverence of Christ. Exactly. And yep. Christ was the example. He did the same thing. He submitted to the right. will of the Father. In fact, think about that when he's in the garden. Uh, you know, he's yep. facing this incredible reality, the physical suffering, but more probably more profound is the spiritual suffering in the sense that yes. in some Taking way, sin. something we can't even understand, he's going to be separated from the Father. How, how that could even happen in an eternal being like Okay, there's something going to happen here, and Jesus knew it. Yeah. A meaning of the cross when he said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? He experienced, right. because of sin, he experienced that separation in that moment on the cross. The point is, is, is if you watch him, remember he's fully man, fully God, you, you read the text in the garden, his capillaries are rupturing. He's, he's under such anxiety and stress over this issue. This right. is not easy. He chooses no. to submit. Not yeah. my he will. Steps, he steps up. Not my will, but your will be done. Yep. See, that's the same thing here. See, it's, there's this sense which before God, I've been called to respond a certain way, and I trust God's outcome with that. Mm-hmm. And this male headship, leaders in the church, parents and children, it's like, it's a big deal. Oof. Yep. So, th- I mean, that's it for that, really, for this podcast. But just a quick note, as I mentioned, Colossians very much mirrors Ephesians in this regard. Yeah. And so if we quick flip over to Colossians, it's like an abbreviation. It really is an abbreviation of this whole section of 
yep. husbands, wives, children, parents, slaves, masters. And like Ephesians, you have a you have a beginning section of doctrine. You have a, a, a secondary section, or the latter half of it is is application, or this is now how you are to live. So starting in verse or in chapter three, you have a this 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 command. Now put off your old self. Put off your sinful flesh that you once lived in. Put it off, like clothes. Take it off, and now put on like like clean clothes. This new life. Yeah. What verse uh, are you in, Sam? V- verse twelve of chapter three. Put on yeah, then yeah, as yeah. God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved, compassionate yep. hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. So you got all this stuff that you're to put on. Yeah. And in this section then of putting on this new self, putting on this holy, holy yep. life, yep. is comes the same thing again. Uh, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. This is verse 18. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Mm-hmm. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Yes, Whatever unto, you do, it's yes, unto the Lord oh, again. Yep, it's always under the, the Lord. Everything's under the Lord. Whatever you do, with work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance. As your reward, so even even the wives submitting to their husbands, it's it's for this, in, you know, knowing that from the Lord you will receive in the inheritance as your reward when you're faithful, yeah. faithful in your role as either a slave, a master, a husband, a wife, a parent, a child. It, it's for a reward. It's 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 actually will be rewarded in heaven if you're faithful mm. in this. You are serving the Lord Christ, like right there. <laughs> you are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So, that's the, the abbreviation of this longer section in Ephesians. And, uh, again, yeah. this isn't just something going to the, the church in Ephesus. This is going to Colossae. This is going, this is, this is universal teaching. This is, and again, it's grounded in... And the creation design, it's grounded in how God has purposed to display his glory in his created world. Yeah. It's an incredible thing. Yeah, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, any final thoughts on well, that, Dan? Otherwise, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, we could wrap up. But, like, I have two or three just quick ones. One is that, you know, as we've been doing these podcasts, Sam, I mean, it just continues to strike me how, how like, over like overwhelmingly clear all of this is. I know. To be honest with you, I mean, even today, doing it again, sitting here, as you and I talk, it's not like we have this all written out in notes. We're having a conversation. And I'm just... Yeah, we're just walking through our Bibles. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just struck, like I say. You know, we do our background work. We do some exegetical hermeneutical work before we come together. So we're thinking, you know, textually. Textually. Right, rightfully. But it's just striking to me, you know, uh, even here, like... How you can get around Christ in His church? He's the bridegroom, the bride. I don't, I don't know how you ever get around. I don't know how if anybody takes the time to do this sort of a study, how you get around it. I, I, I just, yeah. I, I don't, I don't see it. The other one I would say though is that when we do get to uh, more talk about application, um, you know, no question. There's this, you know, I'm working it out right now. I've been married 37 years, and my wife and I have had some, you know, heavy conversations. I told you even this morning, like some things that we have to work out. Like it's a constant work for us. And um, what I'm saying is that, you know, even when we say, okay, the husband's supposed to die to yeah. himself for the sake of his wife. Now, we're not, I mean, okay, the big question is like, well, how do you do that, right? So here's one of the problems. Like, 
sometimes, sometimes this is what people really want. They want these things spelled out black and white. Yeah. And, you know, that's not what this does for us per se. There's, there'll be right. some, there's some clear wisdom, some clear lines we can draw in certain aspects. There's no question. Um, but when we talk more about application, we'll try to flesh some of that out. Mm-hmm. But I think the bigger question, say, is that without giving all the perfect answers, um, I don't know how to explain. It's like I've, I've had this conversation with my, uh, I say my kids, but they're young adults. They have their own kids. I'm a grandparent now, you know, so I have kids that are in their 30s, for example. It sounds weird saying kid, right? I know they're adults, but when you're, yeah. my, when you're my age, you talk about your kids. It sounds weird, but like I don't think of them as kids. Yep. I think of them as adults. But my point in that is that life is like, I don't know what to call it, but there's this art to life. You know, like there are these real clear biblical principles that we're trying to get at that you got to get on the table. And mm-hmm. then then you have to work out the art of what's this look like to apply this in life. Mm-hmm. And it begs questions, though. It begs serious questions that I need to be asking of myself. Mm-hmm. So even today, I have to say, what's it mean to love my wife? And have I loved my wife well? Say even mm-hmm. recently. And I'd say, you know, there's some areas I haven't. I'm just being honest. Like, I haven't. And I need to kind of go back and say, so what would it look like, even to my wife, what would it look like for me to love you better? Mm-hmm. See, I got the principle in my head, but I need to be a humble, repentant guy in working that out with my wife. And it could mm-hmm. look differently for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That's all I'm saying. So obviously when yeah. we do a podcast like this, we're laying all the pieces on the table and we're not answering all the questions. And there may be somebody that's this young married couple having this conflict at 24 years of age. And they're saying, please just give me the answers. And I want to go, well, <laughs> we might be able to give you a few, but it's not, but so simple. On, on, it's not that simple. There's a working this out, but yeah, but a yeah. desire to reverence Christ, a desire to obey his word, a desire to ask myself the honest questions. Why am I unwilling to go here? I mean, I, yeah. that's what I would ask. I would ask, you know, even the submission thing, it's always striking to me. Okay, so let's be honest about this. Why? What, what's the big conflict? Why, you know, you know, the woman, yeah. why, why are you afraid of this? Why are you afraid, afraid yeah. to, you know, uh, guy, what's it mean for you? Just like I said earlier, it's easy to, to think that you're doing fine because you don't have conflict. Well, maybe be, the reason you don't have conflict is that you're really not stepping up the plate and being a man. Yeah. Right? Right. Exactly. I maybe mean, you're that, being passive like Adam was. Yeah. Even though it, doesn't, it may not look like that in one sense on the front side, but that's actually what's going on in your heart. Yep. And the, and the yep. Lord knows that. And so you have to... Yep. You have to be honest with your soul and you have to work this stuff out. So, right. Yep. Okay. And that's, yeah, like I like we, like we've been saying, we're going to try to the best that we can. Yeah. Without going as f- too far, flesh that out in the application time, being per- particularly uh, aware of the, of the issues of the day is what we want to, yeah. is what we're trying to, you know, because today we live, we're not living in the first century. So, the principles are the same. The word is the same, and it applies to us today. Now, how do we apply it today? Um, and that's what we're going to look at. And that's yeah, I think that's you know, that, yeah, that's important. Yep. Yep, as best we can. No. Yeah. And the Good. thing is, is you know, it's not so cut and dry. You can't just say, "Here's the answer." But the closer the the closer you are to the Word of God, I mean, if you are a person saturated in the Word, in the Word, meditating on it day and night memorizing it, loving it, you know, consuming it, like that is how you get in step with God's will. (laughs) And, you know, as a man, as a woman, 
as a married couple, you know, whatever it is, like, you know, be in the word and the spirit will, will sanctify you in, in, in Sam, he sanctifies it, you, yeah. makes you holy. Sam, I just yeah. love that because I, you know, during this whole, even today, as we are doing, working on these, um, it just struck me. I was thinking of a couple of people I know that yeah. would, would think even just in, in short, conversation with them at some point they might go oh you know you guys believe in that old-fashioned thing you know maybe yeah. some man thing and i even had another young guy not he's not that young but he's actually a young elder in a church say you we were having this conversation a little bit about culture and some of these things and he said you mean you believe that old testament stuff or something like that it was interesting to me and what i mean by both of those statements is i'll bet both neither of those guys uh they both claim to be believers. I think they are, you know, of everything I can tell. They're good guys, guys you could say, oh, I like those guys. Yeah. I'm not sure they've ever sat down and went through their Bible and thought this all through. I know. Like we're doing in this podcast. That's my point. I'm like, But I would actually tell them, like, you, you, why don't you start in the beginning of your Bible and work through it, and then yeah. let's, have the, let's have this conversation. But when you just quickly, flippantly say, well, that's just some old-fashioned thing, you guys, old yeah, yeah. guys, you know, you believe, in, what, what, you believe in that old way of thinking or something like that is the statements right. that have been made. And I want to go, well, I just want to be faithful to what God says. Right. Which is, again, back to what you're all about with Preach and Persuade and why I'm part of this with you is we have to start going, I actually think God has something to say about all this. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and we better start. And I kind of want to start there. I have, you know, yeah. That's that's my yep. presupposition. That's where I start everything. <laughs> yep, that's our drum we beat. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Okay, we're so back at it. Okay, we're back at it. Yep, being that presupposition drum. Okay, so thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, where we're going next is uh, we decided in the previous episode that what we're going to do is we're going to go now to um, the pastoral pistols because we're just going to stick with Paul. Yeah. Finish up with Paul, and then Good. we're going to go into 1 Peter because uh, he has some things to say in chapter 3. And then we'll wrap it up for the, the, the putting the pieces on the table, as we've been saying, and then we'll get to application. And we've been alluding to this application, these episodes for application, so many times in every episode. We've talked about wait till we get to application, wait till we get to application, but it's coming. But thanks for listening. Share the podcast with as many people as you want, Ken. Um, leave a rating on, on your podcast app because it helps with discoverability and we want people to listen and uh, I just yeah I'm really grateful for those of you who are listening and so hopefully you enjoy some you know or at least you just enjoy the word because we try to be as textual as we can and in the Bible as much as we can so again thanks for listening and have a great day bye